Greetings, Moonlight Citizens. Welcome back to the Moonlight Kingdom Podcast. We are back here with Moonlight Kingdom Podcast episodes, and we'll be covering a variety of topics right here. I'm joined by my good friend right here on this episode. But yeah, blasting off in three, two, one. that George Lucas would like went yeah it's kind of like that yeah yeah he kept tweaking like uh, like the wildlife he tweaked uh, the AT-AT uh, and the he even tweaked uh, who was that guy who goes my black what the fuck is that uh, Weedo or something well, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. He, there was that scene with uh, Harrison Ford and and Greedo where he changed it so that Han wasn't the guy who shot first, which was dumb. And they had like an awful, awful, horrible head thing where his head now slightly moves off his shoulders and kind of fall off. Ugh. Nasty stuff. That was rough, dude. Like, dude, what? Okay, CGI aside, the from a movie standpoint, him not shooting first is dumb, dude. Like, exactly, because he's he's hard solo. He's not like you know. What I'm it makes sense that he would shoot first, but you know, you want to preserve this sort of rewritten historical, but not. yeah. The dude, like, they actually asked George Lucas, like, why? Like, why did you make it so that Han did shoot first? He said. Because he thought Han shooting first made him look like a cold-blooded killer. No, it didn't. I mean, who isn't a killer Star Wars? Come on. Like, plus, him shooting first doesn't make him, like, cold-blooded. It just makes him smart. He knows this dude. Exactly. It makes him strategic because he can see what's about to happen. Yeah. So weird. The only change I'll probably accept... It's like Jar Jar, but even that, it was kind of done, like, overly. Yeah. You know, like, it, it was okay in 97, but then in 02, they thought, oh, okay, well, we have better CGI, so you know, we might as well change it. But even that wasn't good. And I think they haven't changed him since 2007? With the third Blu-ray release? So, yeah, I don't know, man. A whole bunch of pedantic changes. Well, the one I don't understand to this day, aside from Han, was um, where they CGI'd Jabba the Hutt. Because in the original movie, there was a guy in a suit. A very obvious guy in a suit. Yet when they did the special editions... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the one I'm talking about. Dude. Because I think... I, I'm... I think even going back, they had difficulties because obviously the original version that did not come out, you know, the original music because it was cut out because it didn't have the effects at the time. He's walking around him, so that creates difficulties now when you're building a CG model because now you have to rotoscope out hard, add in this wider, much wider than the, that, that Scottish actor, CG double, and then you gotta have. 
drinks that you gotta have. Yeah, yeah. A lot of unnecessary challenges. I do appreciate the, the world battling, at least. Because obviously, you know, the original movie, a lot of the scenes where you know, there are like. A lot of people that want to do always. Yeah. White wall, because it's the set. You know, they couldn't really do much with it back then. But now, obviously, you know, with ILM and all of that, they fucked it up. I guess really just to showcase Star Wars universe, just show the beauty and the liveliness. You know, it doesn't feel so cold, so so stage production. I mean, I get that. That's understood. And there was no volume back then. There was no, no, none of that Mandalorian crap. Just uh, yeah. I, let me ask you this: which which do you prefer? Do you prefer like? The prequels era Star Wars backgrounds or the volume backgrounds we have now? I think most of them. It really depends, to be honest. Because with the volumetric stage, a lot of it is like. It's mostly outside scenery because that's what you can do the best because it gives you the natural lighting and stuff. But if you want to change scenes in like a more elaborate way, then in that context, you might need the CGI allowance. Because you also got to think about like how the screens are calibrated and what they're calibrated for showing. And from that, of course, because it's not just a clean cut, oh, background filming, they still got to tweak some things. You know, they, they got to, you know, color correct like stage props and stuff like that like really make it look alive i would say for more grounded scenes volume perfect cheap but if you're doing like an elaborate you know fuck if you're doing a fighter jet sequence or like a big ass wall you know like on some order 66 shit you need cgi you need blue screen you need all of that stuff Yeah, you can definitely. I mean, you can make the volume work in a way that no one notices that there's anything going on, like in Matt Reeves's The Batman. But then you have shows where, like, oh, this is set outside, but you can clearly see that there's something up with the background, like. Yeah, kind of like that Tom movie. See, I even watch it. But I think it was directed. I think it was Kubrick's last movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know that. Uh, that scene where he's walking in the streets, like. Yeah, like I guess, I guess at the time because it was like the big nineties, really bug people out that much because that's what it was around in, in that time. You know, that on TV shows, movies, TV series. Yeah, on like on TV, if you watch it on like a regular TV set, it's nothing. Mm. But if you watch it on your laptop, you're like. I don't know, the background's kind of fuzzy. He's, like, crystal clear. It's like we got, like, an HD. Like, I think HD is, like, it kind of ruins the, that kind of aspect of older movies. Yeah. You just see the innate faces of it. Like, there's no, like... I mean, there's still the enjoyment of but it kind of takes you out now because you just kind of see certain things. I think, what was it? It 
was even a movie. I'm trying to remember. I don't know if it was Men in Black 2 or something. But the way it was filmed, when it was showcased on, I think, Disney Plus, you could see, like, Blue Max and shit like that, because it was widescreen now. Yeah. 4 by 3 aspect ratio. So when they had to convert it to 16 by 9 they didn't want to crop the sides, so they just made the entire thing smaller, so they cropped out of it. And you kind of see, like, certain things that wouldn't have showed back then. Yeah. I think that's the consequence of, like, modern developments and shit like that. Yeah, there was, um, there was, like, one instance, you know, where, like, the cropping and changing to 16 by 9 and stuff actually helped out a show. It was Friends. Because, oh, yeah. yeah, for years, like, people would wonder, like, how the hell do they keep getting the same table at this, like, movie cafe or something? Because if you've ever been to a cafe, you never put the same table twice. Dude, so, like, and finally when, you know, they dropped on, like, Disney Plus and the aspect ratio changed, we could see that at the bottom of the screen, normally we wouldn't see anything because it would crop out. But on, like, Disney Plus, we can see, like, there's a reserved sign. So it's like, oh, okay. They reserved this table. They must have booked in advance. Okay. That makes sense yeah. now. And it makes sense because, obviously, the cameras that were filmed, you know, with friends were, like, just real cinemascope cameras. Like, like they weren't, like, you know, smaller TV cameras. Yeah. I think that was the era where we moved from standard definition. To 720, not HD, but we like, definitely moved yeah. up in, in, in a certain point in the 90s. So they had to use like better cameras. Yeah, there was a dude, I, <laughs> dude, I freaking laughed one time. I like caught myself, like, because I, I was, uh, I downloaded a video and it was, it was like back in the 90s, like early 90s. And it's giving me options like 480 and 720. I'm like, that's weird. Videos normally go up to like 1080 or whatever, but whatever. I'm thinking, like, so I downloaded it in 720. And as the thing is loading, I'm looking at the date and I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? This, this is like, there ain't no 720 version of this shit. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. saying that they loved him as a human being or anything like yeah like even like not a single one of his biopics made him look like some smiley good guy like every everyone had like i know there's only two but like both they yeah. both had moments where like okay this guy's kind of a dick Just... yeah like like former Apple employees were like it was more productive to take the stairs because there are chances you ride the elevator that Steve Jobs would come on like when you get on you'd have a job by the time you get to the desk you were fired <laughs> on like the moment like if it was me the moment i found out hey man someone got fired after they wrote the lyrics i'm taking the stairs 
I don't care what floor I'm on, I'm taking the stairs. Like, look, man, he's not the guy you want to do your own agenda about. Yeah. Follow the script, or get the fuck out. Speaking of the... Because uh, you've seen you've seen the first <laughs> one and the like the Ashley Kutcher one. So who not who was in the better movie overall, but who played I, I, better Steve? Who would you say was the better okay. Steve? I, I really will rather. Okay. I love Michael Fassbender, phenomenal actor. Love him as Magneto. Loved him in his other roles. But there's there's a weird charm about the way Steve put Why does Lex Corp look like Facebook? Why is it like... <laughs> 
like he's playing basketball in the middle of the thing. Like what? <laughs> this is not that movie. Like, it feels like any any second that we could have seen Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn. <laughs>
Yeah, it's definitely. Gene Hackman, because, dude, I feel like his last movie was this comedy directed by Ray Romano. It's called Welcome to Moose Sports. I'm just looking at the dude. I'm thinking, like, really? You want to retire on that, dude? Like, I mean, it's kind of like the modern Brando effect. Yeah, but Brando lost, like put on weight and he like got lazy. There's a difference, man. Like, oh yeah. Yeah, there was a point when I knew that dude absolutely 100% stopped giving a crap. Was in this movie where he plays a dude, it's a comedy where he's playing a dude who claims that he inspired the character of Don Corleone, and he's, he's not even playing Don Corleone, he's playing a dude doing an impression of that and it's just like oh my god oh, that's like flanderizing you to the max like flanderizing yourself man just jesus i mean could we say that sean connery kind of went the same direction career-wise no we can say roger moore did he, <laughs> he definitely went in yeah, on yeah but he didn't like phone it in wasn't that popular. Wasn't his last movie like that? Wasn't like Furry Vengeance or something? Furry Vengeance was. Oh, wait, no, no, no. Is this still alive? Oof, guys, he died. Oh. Damn. Yeah. That says a lot, dude. The fact, the fact I didn't even know that, man. I'm like, is he still alive? It says a lot, dude. Just... You see what I mean? Like. Oh, I think it was the other James Bond. The, uh, the one who came before Pierce, I forgot his name. Uh, Timothy Dalton? Whoa. Dalton, the Dogmeister. Yeah. He was on James. Doom Patrol, yeah. Oh. 
made a comeback. Yeah, he made a leap. When was he gone? Like, I think it's not a spaceship. He's like a captain, but also a screenshot. Wasn't that a. What's that show? Space Force? Is that it? The one with, um, dude from Anchorman. Like, he's always been like a dad. Like, he's just 
looks like a greaser, like out of those, like Indiana Jones four with like the gelled hair and the leather jacket. And I mean, I guess he's supposed to, like, but still, dude. Uh, Matt, speaking of Indy 4, are you going to watch Indy 5? Kind of looks like someone from Oh. Hey, out of curiosity, are you going to see Indiana Jones 5? Yeah, I will. I, I think I... Considering with um the movie's like two hundred million dollar budget, I mean there are movies Yeah. You know, there's all this crap, but like not to mention the de aging, that probably costs a ton of money. So Exactly, and it's 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 pretty much like Captain Marvel where it's constantly like it's not Yeah it's not like, you know it, like it doesn't I mean obviously Harrison looks good for his age. But as you see from Mission Impossible, they do a little tugging because obviously Harrison is a little bit older than what Indy should be. Kind of like, mm. I think Indy should be like 72 or something based on the timeline. Yeah. Because it's like the 50s, mid 50s or whatever. Yeah, I mean. He should be like 70 something, but obviously Harrison was 80 and a little jolly. So, you know, they did some cleanup across the board. Which can definitely balloon up the budget. There was one scene that I know they're gonna go back and fix, cause there was one scene where he's like getting in a car and like his face looks okay. There's one scene where he's getting in a car, he like he's looking straight ahead, and for like a second 
the stuff on his face just drops. And it's old-ass Harrison Ford until he turns his head. I don't even notice it until it came back on that, oh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. There's, like, a whole last second where he just goes from, like, you know, regular indie to just jolly and shit. Then he turns his head, and it comes back on like a filter. It's just... Jolly. Yeah. And, and obviously, that's kind of the one issue we can deal with now. Is that, obviously, you remember how they hired Trevor with his YouTube videos of the Irishman? Yeah, yeah. They fixed Jim Luke and. an island for a while now. He's the guy who kind of got them on board with deep things. And he's using deep things to see China in hand. But I feel like in that one, it's entirely possible that they probably relied on deep things a little bit too much. every scene sequentially you're gonna have some keyframes that drop off because you can't track the model it's better if subject is like very still yeah why that video of the action would look pretty good because he's just you know he's very like kind of static like driving a car yeah his face remains pretty much at the same angle Sam Jackson, he looked pretty good. Like, you know, he could pass as 90s Sam Jackson if he just, like, shaved the goatee. But in there was, like, this one fight scene he had. His face got... You, you even pointed it out, dude. His face got kind of blurry when he was, like, yeah. fighting that scroll, dude. Yeah, and obviously, I think it's even worse with him because they didn't even, like, use deep Because, I mean, yeah. Sam's a pretty useful guy. They relied on like that traditional tracking, but even with that one, man, like, on on each side it requires manpower. CGI needs an artist to consistently like animate like these specific, you know, like tactics and things like that. And then on the deep side, the deep gotta follow the subject, so you can't win on either side. Yeah. And another big issue as well with that old man body. Yeah, when he's got to actually move, then it's... Dude, Robert De Niro and the Irishman, yikes, man. Like... When he's kicking that guy out of the cabin. Dude! It, it was so stilted, man, like... He looks like... It looks literally yeah. like a 90-year-old man trying his best to be a criminal. And he's just not hurting him at all. And obviously the acting is so, you know... The guy in the food, he's like wincing in pain. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> that was the one scene where I'm like, bro, y'all just should have used a body double, man. I mean, no one would know. I mean, we would know. Get like, like, a chunky man in the 40s. Like, get a man who has, like, Robert Arrow's sad about this crap if they had gotten a body double and just cdi'd robert de niro's face it probably would have looked better just, just yeah. dude, even even with like fury and captain marvel and when Thanos is like 
first Avenger when he was all skinny and stuff. That was a funny devil. He was good. Like, <laughs> I mean, it makes sense because that guy, like, you know, he's not that old. He's like a guy in his thirties or something. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, but damn, dude. I think they did it again for. It was. was it the Hunger Games. I want to say. Was it Catching Fire? Where they used the double for Hutcherson. Just the body, because obviously he was, you know, uh, like kidnapped and sedated. And... Oh, it was all skinny, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if it's like for Toby. I think that was just CGI, just to like. Yeah, like, take the lines out of like his face, made yeah. His body looks skinnier, which works considering there weren't that many scenes where you needed to see a skinny Tony, because it was only after he came back from space. That one scene where he argues with the Avengers is like, oh, shock value. It's like, look at him. He's been stuck for a month. He's severely, like, you know, emaciated. He hasn't eaten anything of substance. He's probably going to die. So it worked for that one scene because you only needed it for, like, one minute. Whereas the Hunger Games and obviously Captain America, it was like 40 plus minutes of that. Yeah. They needed a body just to save money. That scene, um, when I'm seeing Josh Hutchison in that movie, I'm seeing like this dude was held captive. They they tortured him and they dyed his hair. No, I know that, but like I see like he's blonde now because he's been brunette up until this movie. I'm like, yeah, they tortured him, they yeah. beat him up, and they dyed his hair. Why? <laughs> then you find out, oh, no, there was a. There was a thing, he was filming another movie at the same time, and I'm like, okay, but like... I, I mean, wigs exist in Hollywood. <laughs> just Hollywood. They're so stuck up with that. Because the reason why I feel is like the butterfly effect. It's... So the beginning is one studio exec refusing to put a fake mustache on Henry Cavill. And then the resulting occurrence is the destruction of the DCEU and the superhero genre as a whole. Oh. Mustache game changed everything. Like, it, if you truly think about it, it changed everything. It upped the scrutinization of digital effects. It put pressure on digital artists who were mandated by studios to give them the best result. Oh result for as best as possible and as quickly as possible it fucked up so many it, yo, it literally caused the most egregious butterfly effect ever yeah. and it was simply because they did not want to put a fake mustache on the person Jesus Christ yeah that's dude. crazy man I love pointing this out dude every time it's still to this day it gets a chuckle out of me like Mission Impossible were cool with Henry Cavill shaving and like them taking time off, provided WB paid them X amount of money, right? WB said, yeah. screw that, we're just gonna CG his face. And in the end, they CG'd his face and it cost more than the money that dudes were asking for. <laughs> Dude, and they literally said, look. We will pay for the most expensive mustache that has ever been created. Just look at Rachel McAdams. In Mean Girls, you 
because she was still filming, um, was it The Notebook? Because of that, she needed to be brunette, so she had to keep her hair cut. But in Mean Girls, she has this beautiful blonde wig. I think he spent like $60,000 on this, and then it, it ended up selling for like over half a million in, a, in, an, in an auction. What is so hard about trusting the hair and makeup department to make a convincing piece of facial hair? I just don't get it. It's 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 so egotistical. It's puny ego. Mm. Yeah. Plus, it's not like the thing is with Justice League. It's not like it would be out of the realm of possibility for Soups to have a beard. He has a beard in the comics when he comes out from the ground. So like, it's comics. It's not his fault. Yeah. Because he didn't want any of that remote He was like, nah. I get it, but also, come on, man. Hair and fingernails grow after you die, man. It's not like it's ridiculous dude exactly. coming out of there. Like, yeah. Like, they, they could have made the best of the best situation, but they just, I don't know, man. Ego just always gets Oh, man. But anyway, like, <clears throat> what can we do? Mustache Gate has come and gone. Comic landscape has irrevocably changed. And, like, you were right. It did up the scrutiny. It did, like, alter how we view this kind of media. Because everybody knew going into that movie, Henry Cavill's going to have a CGI face. Everybody knew, and they were looking. Where are the scenes where his mouth is janky? Where are those scenes... Oh, exactly what they were looking for. Yeah. It was in the opening fucking sequence. Why? Why, Joss Whedon? Why? That scene did nothing for Superman's character. I know they were going for, oh, look at him. He's just like the Superman you remember from the DCAU, guys. Come on. Kids love him. He loves kids. No, it did nothing. I remember watching a video. Someone did the math on this and like proper sanction. It would have actually cost less money to add facial hair than it would to like hide it. Like exactly, because now when you're hiding it, you gotta like match the pores, the skin. You gotta match the lip. You gotta get his actual like construction right. Because if it looks off, it looks off. I remember the scene where okay. Clark 
Fox has had it, and then he takes Lois to um, Smallville, and then they're in the field. When he smiles, oh my god. Dude, his lips are like on his teeth. Like, what the. Batman. Dude. 
is so fucked up. This is all he has become. Yeah. All that remains. I think when it came to Joss Whedon coming in from the MCU, where secret identities aren't really a thing in the MCU, so like, in his view of things, there's no difference between Tony Stark and Iron Man, so there should really be no difference between Bruce Wayne and Batman, when it's clearly not the right approach to it. I think that's a true development. But also, I think when it comes to Joss, He's never had the difficult task of writing a wholly menacing person. Because a lot of his characters have quirks. They might be bad people, but they also have, like, a comedic element. Yeah. The only people I feel that works with is Tony Stark and maybe, maybe... It's like someone took all of your worst qualities and like dialed them up. So from that perspective, it makes sense. But from a comic standpoint, looking how Ultron is supposed to be, it doesn't. And I knew right away we weren't going to get comic Ultron when they met on that ship. And, you know, like someone said, no one has to break anything. And Ultron immediately was like, clearly you've never made an omelet. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, you know, it, it works, but it only works because it reminds us of Tony Stark's quipping. Yeah. Even, dude, even Stark was like, he beat me by one second, and it shows, like, they think the same way. Jeez. Yeah. I, I mean, it kind of makes sense narratively, given obviously the MCU. Tank Pym hadn't been, like, introduced, so they, they needed someone to bring Ultron to So... try to tone down like 
you know, it's clear Tony would try to tone down the parts of himself that he sees in there. And what's left would be Bruce. And it's exemplified by this point where he, after he emerges and they ask him, whose side are you on? Rather than saying, I'm on your side, he says, I'm on the side of life. Like, just... Now it's not only New York. 
not the entire planet that's at stake. But I still think they could use someone better, like, not better, but more fitting. I feel like Ultron could have come after Civil War or somewhere there when everyone is a bit established and put together. Then Civil War would have been too soon. That's the problem, because now a lot of the MCU is them working with what they have. I commend their, you know, their ability to have balanced it for as long as they did. And obviously now you have other properties that have to come in the manifold. And, you know, tying that in is its own near impossible difficult task. But I still think it could have done a few things better had they had more creative ideas. Which, what was the film that, say we pushed Age of Ultron ahead, what is the movie that would have taken its spot? What was a solo movie threat that could have been an Avengers-level threat? Personally, I think S.H.I.E.L.D. being taken over by Hydra sounds like a pretty Avengers-level threat. Hydra and U.S. Agent. That could have been a good one. What? U.S. Agent in Phase 2? U.S. Agent. Think about it. He is not that difficult. Dude, Cap is still around. Like, there'd be no reason. around, but they also understand that he's not a Nazi. He is not Hydra. That's the thing, because... Obviously, you look at Endgame and their time traveling the shenanigans. You think of how surprised they were upon just seeing that, oh, this guy's Hydra. I think in some capacity, even before Project Insight, he's always just been a guy who was like, he is on thin ice because... He's smart enough to understand when something is fishy and he'll eventually find out. I think it was more like a ticking time bomb. I kept just finding out things were going on. It was an eventuality. Obviously, Nick kind of pushed it forward. But I think Cap finding out was always an eventuality. He always had like certain... What's the word? Certain, you know, protocols for him. Yeah. And U.S. agent would have been the perfect foil. Yeah, Bucky is good, but I feel like U.S. agent would have been a brilliant foil to what Cap stands for and what he thought he stood for for all those years. Yeah. It would have been... The thing is, Falcon and the Winter Soldier had a missed opportunity to follow that train of thought because... When Falcon fought John Walker, he wasn't Captain America. He was still very much Falcon. And it wasn't... They wanted to create this thing like it's holding up this cracked mirror to what Captain America could be. But, like, that mirror doesn't apply to Sam. Like... Exactly. Sam is not that guy. He's a good man. You shouldn't need to have this foil who was not like him in any capacity, whereas he had several similarities between Captain America Steve Rogers and Captain America 
John Walker. Like, yeah, he's evil, but he's nuanced as well. And that plays better into him and Cap versus him and Falcon. It's all about nuance. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, man. The Avengers have ass villains. Like, they don't have a... Like, a lot of the villains they have, they don't own. Yeah. They just piss poor. And obviously, it's, it's Marvel's writing. Like, Osborn could have been a phenomenal villain, but again, Sony. You know, Ronan, eh, piss poor. Namor, eh. Annihilus, completely unfeasible. He's a Fantastic Four villain, too, because let's be real. It's like, yeah. Dude, unfeasible. They, they just don't have a guy. Like, I understand. I really do understand, yeah. like, Feige's rationale for picking the people that they picked. And let's be real, Loki, as good as he was, was a Thor villain. He wasn't an Avengers threat until, like, recently. Exactly. Loki should have been a Thor movie. Just a sole Thor movie antagonist. Yeah. They do have Thanos. They do have Thanos. Yeah, just... I... I get it. You want the Hulk to go one-on-one with someone who can physically match him. Dude, I get that. But, like... And, okay, Ang Lee's Hulk has its moments. It's, like, thematic-wise, it's pretty good. The subtext and all that. But that final fight, though, man, like, Hulk is fighting a, a cloud. Like... Yeah. Dude, that's... He's not doing much, too. Because, I mean, even like the Zobie Man Power said, it's very much, it can be anything and everything, and that's the problem. Because once something can be anything, it's like, oh, fuck. How, how do we teeter on the line of what is able to be done versus what is impossible without current limitations? Yeah. It's just... The way that fight began, when he was all like 50 feet tall, made of lightning, and I'm like, holy, when I saw that, I was like, holy crap, like, it looks like this fight can go anywhere, like, this is gonna be epic, but they immediately take off into the clouds, and we just see, like, still frames of them fighting in the air, and he crashes and becomes rock. Like, okay. Even with, like, yeah. Before, when he was still, like, being captive and they showed his powers and oh look at him he has powers on even that display was so low level though yeah they just never went in on it they never went all out it i get that in 2003 you can't fully like metallicize i don't know if that's a word but metallicize nick nolte and have him fighting, you know, the Hulk. That would look silly, but like... Exactly. Give us something. Like, because... Dude. Rock Nick Nolte was just like, dude, what, what is this? What am I looking at? I feel like maybe if they had leaned towards... Look at the mummy. Mm. How the mummy used the, the limitations to their advantage. I 
think with them, they succeeded because, of course, the mummy's in the desert. And there's a lot of elements that don't cost a lot of lighting. So they don't really need to be rendered to their fullest like, extent. Sand and rock, you know, especially if you frame it in the right time of day, yeah. doesn't need to be that elaborate. That's limestone like, to this day. They so much more creative. I wouldn't even have minded a wood slash rock absorbing man. Don't make it an ocean, don't make it lightning, don't overcomplicate it. Make it simple, make it face to face, and it's easy. Because it's not like we were expecting, you know, a shiny metallic gala colossus. I mean, hey, even back then they couldn't do colossus. Bro, I'm getting a call. Hold on. Ah, uh, man. That's cool. Just going back when you're done. Greetings, Moonlight citizens. Matt on the Moon here with yet another episode of Moonlight Kingdom Podcast. On this one, we'll be covering many topics of Marvel, the DC variety, the air variety, releasing the air cut, or, well, just pretending it doesn't exist, as we all have come accustomed to. Anyway, I am your Matt on the Moon. This is the Moonlight Kingdom Podcast, episode 16, 17? Unsure, buddy. Last off in 3, 2, 1. On Wednesday, actually Wednesday slash today, early morning, I watched Gen V. Just binged it straight. It's fucking amazing. Oh, look. Pretty crazy. Oh, crazier than the boys. Equally as crazy, considering that, you know, given that it's part of the universe, it's cameo. But I can definitely tell that. They didn't skimp out on the budget. Like they, they definitely, you know, stay true to the universe and its mechanics, rules. It was a solid eight out of ten. Solid eight I, I can see why it's. I mean, I haven't watched it yet, but um, I don't know. But it's definitely something to look into. Do you know what to watch it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna give you the link. But still, man, just uh, this. Have you been following the Loki show? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Yes, indeed. Also, another brilliant writing craft. I, I, I think it's the one thing that Phase Six is doing well. and the you know spaghettification of everything like mm. there was that oh yeah did you see those um sorry to cut you mm. did you continue that whole D.B. Cooper shit with Casey 
he's that infamous. Oh yeah, uh, broke out of fight. records. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that was. Cool. I wonder if. Okay, was that the timeline the TVA found him in, or was that just like a new timeline he wound up in after everybody got reset? Like. I think. I think the way it works is. The lines that they picked or whatever, I, I, I don't think they actually picked them. It's more like they found their lives currently happening and they just kind of assimilated into that place and time where they belong in. I think Casey is a man from the 60s, like originally, and he was probably taken in, a, in an original capacity by the TVA or gang. I don't think, because now the issue is if you have to think to yourself, Okay, so did Loki cause Frank to be the infamous Alcatraz escapee, or was it he who remains and uh, Ravona? Like, who originally plucked him out of the timeline? Was it Loki creating a paradox, or was it he who remains? You know, I don't know. It's pretty interesting. Especially considering that on Reddit, there's been like these theories suggesting that the, the timekeepers are a combination of Loki. Um, Mobius, and I think Sylvie, because when you look at the, the way that they look, the one timekeeper has horns for Loki, the other has a mustache, and the other is a woman. So it feels like they, they were the original, like, I guess, conception of what the timekeepers are, and he who remains either probably took that and worked with it, or this one is timely, but not really. It's pretty interesting to, to like, kind of think. Especially because yeah. that would mean that Loki is on a creative TVA, and it's just an evolving, like, like a perpetual circle of time. What weirded me, I was, speaking of timely, dude, I was so surprised when he went through the door, and he just put spaghetti, I was like, what the hell? He just spaghettified. He might not be dead. He might just be mangled in time. Yeah, but because, like, I was caught off guard because they were like, okay, this is the first version of Kang, like, the earliest version, you know, Victor Timely. That's yeah. who he was before he became the Kang we know. And for him to spaghettify, it's like, well, damn. Where are we going to go from here now? Because he's supposed to be the original. Yeah. I mean, think of it this way. Given his temporal aura and when he built um, that time weaving thing, what if it just kind of assimilated him into a specific point of time that he was intended to be at, given he is he who remains, or rather one of the many variants of his scattered throughout time? Because obviously, Victor. Victor wasn't supposed to be from the 1800s. I think the original, original, original he who remains, like the first one, as per the comics, existed in the, in the 31st century. And then he became Kang, and then Council of Kangs, and then off he goes for war. And then he who remains Kang decided to scatter a few of his, you know, like a few of his remaining variants who had become evil throughout time just to create contingencies for himself if he were to ever be thwarted. Yeah, that seems like the likely way things are going. But in 
But at the same time, it goes against the story he said in, like, when we first saw him. And he was like, you know, we found each other, and for a while everything was cool, but then a couple of them were evil. That's why he had to get rid of them. So he decided to get rid of them all and then make the sacred timeline. So for there to... So, but are they already gone, or are they banished and separated? That's, that's what I'm thinking. Like, the existence of the sacred timeline and TVA pruning anybody trying to deviate would surely mean like okay surely all those other kangs and stuff are gone now surely he got rid of them got rid of them but like once he goes we see in quantum mania that they're not they're not gone that they were just somewhere else and now they're back they're even like you know the the vanished one is no more and you know, they're all coming together in that Is it like place. policy of happening? Is it like in a, in a place station off on time? Could be. Because you have like Ramatan, you know, you yeah. have um, Kang Prime and the other version, you know, like, like different versions of it. Wait, wait. They can't be. Yeah. I'm saying like Kang Prime. Wouldn't. Kang the Conqueror from Quantum Mania be Kang Prime, because or yeah. would that be he who He's remains? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Because I, I feel like his story, given that it's such a central focus, he has to be like the original Kang, who is from the thirty-first century, who is a descendant of, you know, Reed Richards. I think he's the one who started that. That like. That war, given he had the most precious thing that was needed in that war, which was the firepower and also that time core. Because no other can seem to have it. And yes. It begs the question, why? Yeah, I just, ugh. It's annoying that, that the way they booked that Kang, dude, I mean, he was... The trailers made him seem like this Thanos-level threat, man. Thanos-level threat. And he's taken down by ants. There's the argument of, oh, these were super advanced ants, like thousands of years of evolution. They're still ants, man. Just, ugh. Andre, how much stronger can an ant live compared to its own weight? It's like, maybe it's like, given how big they are, relative to their size, Ant-Man. No disrespect to Ant-Man. Yeah, but come on. Up, but 
in the Supermazzotti minutes. Dude! Scott Black was not that strong. I don't know why he... Because you would think that the Kang suit augments his strength. As per the comics, the cartoons, everything. Here he's coming up with a guy who can barely lift like 250 pounds in a in a bench press, you know? Dude, he got pieced up. Like, his face was all bloody, but like... He should have been doing way more damage than that. Look how big Jonathan Majors is. Forget, like, forget, forget the suit augmenting him. Look how big Jonathan Majors is. He should have been killing him. Like, oh. And even look at like Richard Timely. In the show, he's shown as like a nerd, you know, like a like a scrappy little bullied guy. We can see your muscles under your lab coat, my guy. Yeah. Not only anyone. You can beat up anyone right now in the 19th century. I don't know why you're running away from niggas. I think they're gonna kill you. Beat them the fuck up. Oh, jeez. Just. And this is. What bothers me is like Marvel. Thing is, when I came out of Quantum Mania, I'm thinking, okay, you know, Scott defeated a variant of Kang. This is not the dude who's gonna be the villain in Kang Dynasty. But old Fiji was like, nope. The Ant-Man in Quantum, the, the villain in Quantum Mania is the Kang that we're going to see in Kang Dynasty. So, so, oh, damn. That's disappointing. Because in Dynasty, it seems like whatever is happening with the council we saw at the end of Quantum Mania, it seems like they're ready to do something, given that this Kang, he's not defeated, he's kind of like, where did he go? Because he went somewhere, but he was in the quantum realm. There are theories. So where does he go? There's theories that, um, you know, since the quantum realm is itself like a tiny universe existing in like the teeny tiny particles, that he just shrank down even more into another like thing existing on itself. But that sounds absurd, man. That sounds ridiculous. It's more likely that... It's more likely that that drive that he got sucked into just took him to another point in time or, like, another universe or something as opposed to... Yeah, just, because yeah. they did... I think they used his... his call to make yeah. everything self-destruct and then that transported him. That blast. Yeah, it's likely he's just in another universe somewhere. But yeah. Hmm. And I still understand how the Hulk that was tied to Deadpool too. Like the whole Loki thing. I don't know. I don't know. Really. I, don't know. I mean, I was like, dude, I was, I was watching Loki and then there was this scene where it cut to like Mobius on the jet ski and I'm like, alright, finally, we get to see dude on a jet ski. Right, no, it's just him in a store. Oh. He's a salesman. My my biggest thing. Oh wait, shit. Yeah, did you watch the the, the, the Cincinnati? Apparently, it's out. I didn't know that. Well, I ain't seen it yet. Yeah. Oh, it is out. It came out today, this morning. Okay, we both need to watch it. It's fine. Uh, I speak about it often. We both watched it. But I think looking at like Mobius, I would have thought he was like an eighties, you know, athlete, and he's like. The best skier, or maybe okay, maybe maybe an athlete, maybe like a like a rich guy from the eighties, you know, who has like a you know, over Wall Street type of Lambo, and he loves jet skis, he just loves the the wind in his hair, 
No, he's some fucking guy from 2022? Are you kidding me? 2022 of all years? I don't know. He don't look like it though, dude. I mean, just that hair, the mustache, just he doesn't look like a dude from now. That's <laughs> one thing that was very crazy to me is, I mean, I get it, right? People in MCU are very smart. They're they're, they're capable of like being Iron Man suits and you know, learning magic. Or of Boris, a man from 1994, was able to create a TVA portal in 18 months. I mean. Yeah, he's smart, but come on. If you gave that handbook to Hank Pym in 1991, right, after he left S.H.I.E.L.D., would you also be able to do the time to, like, like, what are the instructions? Like, what does the instructions say? Does it tell you, like, split atoms and create a black hole? Like, how? It gives you the instructions. But how? How the fuck do you go from a book to a portal? Well, think about it. A lot of those materials probably don't exist, too. Like, the technology necessary to, like, I mean, do this stuff. It's probably why they mentioned the fact that Ouroboros was, besides an author, a, you know, an astrophysicist. Like, okay, that kind of lends more credence to him being able to do that. But how, with 1994 materials, aren't you, like, limited by the, you know, take of your time? Apparently not. Not named to you at least. Mm. I don't know, man. It's very... the fact that he got those concepts and he was right. He was right about it not being about time, but being about fiction. What? I don't know, man. I guess he's just naturally brilliant. It's the only one of the most underrated minds in the MCU, given that even in the, you know, fake timeline. He's about as coherent as any other big mind in the universe. Chaka, Hank Pym, uh, Stark, uh, both Starks. Like, he's just that brilliant. But he's so underrated, and he probably, he probably died in an unrecognized man in his brilliance. Just the fact that he didn't even work for S.H.I.E.L.D. or had any ties to any, you know, central intelligence organization. Nothing. He's just a guy. And he's a to the outskirts of some fucking abandoned factory? Weird. Oh. Interesting, but weird. It is. Though, um... I... Ah, I remembered why... When I was watching, like, the Loki show, I, I remembered why. Like, I didn't like Sylvie towards the end. Like, I was... The thing is, like, as the show, like, season two was beginning and shit, I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. But, like, as the later episodes came in and we saw, like, she's working at McDonald's and she's cool with how everything is, even though, like, she does not know what's going on back at the TVA. But it's, like, from her perspective, as long as, like, her, like, timeline she's in at the McDonald's is okay, she couldn't give a fuck about anyone else. That's what I'm like, man. Which is weird. I mean... In the fact that okay, everyone deserves their own individual lives, and their lives don't get to be dictated and picked by them by the TVA or can. But dude, the universe is literally about to unravel. Do you not understand how serious it is and how important it is that we need to get everyone back to where they are and fix CVA, otherwise all of reality goes boom. Including your little McDonald's, just ugh. She's kind of selfish, if anything. Mm. But at least now, look, he's a time god. You know? 
a version of Kang's time core hidden inside of it, or of Boris built that in that school tip pad, was or Boris's tip pad, just like the TVA soldiers one. Which one did he build? Begs the question. I mean, it was destroyed because it unraveled into spaghetti. And Frank wanted to go and steal money from banks. But if, which one can do that, and which one can't do that? It's weird. Certainly it is, but it does make sense that Kang would give his soldiers limits in terms of like the technology they have access to. My question is, and this will, this will probably be in the finale because I'm opening it right now. Spoiler alert, it's 56 minutes long, so it's, a, so it's bound to be a doozy. I also haven't watched it yet. But I think, remember the scene where Ravona and this minute saw a, I guess, a, a past, like a flashback kind of thing where they were together in the time room uh, and they spoke about the war and how they had to wipe from memories. Will that ever come back in the fold of the finale? It might. I don't know. It has to. I mean, it doesn't seem like they would put that there and do nothing with it. Exactly. It's like a weird usage. Though maybe there might be answer today. And even like Sylvie, like, why was she so comfortable with everything just being as it is? Why is she listening to music in a in a weird symphonies like record shop? Like. Why does she even pick the symphonies? Nothing makes sense. Why didn't any of them think to go up to Asgard once being on Earth to be like, yo, I missed you guys. What the fuck is going on? I mean, I get it. Sure, there's no Chris Hemsworth, there's no Anthony Hopkins, there's no this and that. So they can't even show that. But it's like, it's not breaking the character, but it's so strange. I mean, Sylvie literally lost her family as a kid. We are to assume that only Sylvie's gender is a different thing in her timeline, which would mean Thor is probably still a man, or maybe he's a girl. But Odin is still Odin. Do you not miss Odin? Or have you just lived so long that you just don't miss him anymore? He's not, he's, he, he doesn't even come into your mind. I mean, you're literally on Earth in the 70s. Everything exists. Everything you lost exists. Do you not want to go there? She doesn't care. season one where i could be like i see your points i see what you're trying to do the tva took from you and you want to take from them but it's like there's a there was a point in that last episode where he who remains told them that you know you kill me like it's gonna let out my variants and you know there's basically he said you think i'm bad like, just wait till you see the people that I'm locking up. Like, they're really bad. Like, they're gonna show up if you kill me. She knew this and killed him anyway. So exactly. She's, she's dumb. But I guess she was consumed by revenge, just like, you know, any other MCU character who's fucked up like that. And thing is, at the end of the episode, she saw the freaking timelines unraveling. She saw all this chaos. And then she's just like, 
Then, and the fact that next time we see her, she's working at McDonald's shows she saw the timeline unraveling. She knew crazy stuff was happening, and she did not care. Absolutely, yeah, so did not care. Now, just because her reality is dying, she's just a selfish person. She's yeah. not Loki at all. Like she's Loki's a good guy. I know in another episode she made it seem as if he was selfish, wanting to do everything. But I don't understand why he didn't just say. Listen, Sylvie, apart from me missing my friends, reality is literally unraveling. I saw it happen. We need to fix it. It doesn't make sense why you didn't mention that. Because that would have set her straight. Because it took her having to see it to then be like, okay, it's fucked. And then also, where the fuck did she get that tip pad from? She has her own tip pad? I mean, I get it. But where did she get it from? It's more than likely she took one off of he who remains his body but like but, but then okay think about this last season she's the one who caused Loki's time slipping because she opened HRW's temp bag to pick Loki into a past version of TVA where his statues of Kang were still prominent Casey didn't remember him no one in TVA knew who he was they probably just knew that he was a Loki no 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 didn't even know he was a Loki variant, which is strange. Why would the TVA 400 years ago not know what a Loki variant looks like? I mean, Loki would have been alive. He would have been like a young adult. Hey, man, so they're like, they're like, what, 1,500 years old? He would have been a 1,000. They thought he was an analyst. I mean, he's wearing an analyst uniform, granted. But it's so strange how... Time traveled back then, and things were so different. What happened in those hundred years? I think I think them not knowing who he is was due to the fact that the TVA mainly investigates variants. And four hundred years ago, Loki, as far as they knew, hadn't done anything to warrant their attention. That's why, like, they don't know him at that point. Yeah.
know if anybody else has thought of this, but I have a theory. And it has to do with the Secret Saturdays. If you remember, did, did you watch Secret Saturdays? Yeah, All right, there was this episode. Yeah, years ago. Yeah. Actually, over 10 years ago of, of, of me watching it. <laughs> Let me show it to you. Yeah, I I'm saying there was um there was this episode where Secret Saturdays they met the versions of them from another basically like the opposite versions yeah, of them you know like yeah. That's two thousand nine. Oh shit! Crazy, right? Yeah, man. Sort of the Saturdays where there was like this opposite version of the Saturdays, you know, like a twisted evil version from another universe. Like, oh, okay. and they came into like the main universe with the main Saturdays, and their being there, and eventually, like, the original, the our universe Saturdays and the anti universe Saturdays, they fought it out, and it started to mess with reality. And this led to like the Saturdays realizing, okay, since they are of this universe, they are matter. But the other Saturdays are from a different universe coming into this one become anti-matter. Matter and anti-matter cannot mix without seriously messing up the world as we know it. And that's what I think is going on here. You see what I'm saying? So, the Secret Mondays, I think that's what they're called. Yeah. So the Mondays clash with the Saturdays and create dark matter? Essentially, it's like that thing about um the same matter can't occupy the same space at the same time. Mm, okay, so then how, how does that now lead into what's happening in Loki? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, Loki, from that point where he was in He Who Remains and he gets launched into that time point in the TVA, I think the reason he keeps glitching out and time slipping is because from being in that universe where time wasn't a thing to being sent back into a time that he has no business being in, like, he is anti-matter, and that's, and the timeline at that point is, like, reacting to him. He's anti-matter, and everything around him is matter. Like, that's... Because Sylvie didn't really, so because Sylvie didn't step back into the TVA 400 years ago, her matter wasn't disrupted. Yeah. So this is purely about going into the TVA's reality before Kang did everything that he did to make it what it is now. Because I feel like in the modern day TVA, no one knows. It's likely, yeah. It feels, but yeah, you're right. It's less of an origin because we have these already established characters in there, like you know your uh, Metamorpho and thing. But like, I look at that character list and I'm like, okay, if Metamorpho is here, then that means like the rest of the outsiders are here, right? Like we're gonna see Katana and Static Shock and like. They even have Mr. Terrific. Yeah. That is crazy enough on its own. Mr. Terrific. I'm just like, oh, okay, he's here. 
he's surely like anybody can be in this universe. Anybody like he's not. Okay, let me put it like this. Mr. Terrific was on, he was in the Arrowverse, right? And when he cropped up there, it's like, okay. Yeah. yeah. So when he crops up in a show like the Arrowverse or something like that, it's like, okay, makes sense. He would be here, you know, as like a street level dude. But to have him in a mainline DCU movie. I'm not saying he is. I'm saying on the show. On the show. That's like... Yeah. Yeah. The show is limited by that. That's the problem. Yeah. I'm saying... Yeah. He does work in that context on the show. But him being here in this DCU movie shows like, okay, he's been bumped up to the status we may know him as in the comics or in the AU. Yeah. So, and even with... Suicide Squad is a soulful drama. Like, 
like as like you mentioned Kevin Costner like you can see Kevin Costner playing a bad guy it's not out of the realm of possibility you can see that even if he's never even if prior to that point he'd never played a villain you could see him being a villain yeah yeah and Denzel's always been like the saint he's always like playing these innately good people yeah now that he comes in and he's playing a villain not just a villain but the villain without a doubt the villain of the film it was like a huge shift in like how he was seen it's like damn this dude's a act man <laughs> yeah. ah man oh did you hear that the, the trailer for avatar came out yeah sorry i saw it I like how is I like the cast, dude. Like the guy they picked to play Iro. I know him from that show um that show with Simu Liu. I don't remember the name, but like Kim's Convenience. Yeah. I'm like, "Damn, they really Gotcha." Yeah. I know that that Oh, she's the English uncle Iro. That's where it is. So Guys, now there was Marco Nakasaga that then and his kid. This one is Paul Sunyanli. It fits given that they just repurposed the same guy. Wait, you can only do that with an old man because the kids have to be kids. Yeah. Maybe Ozai, you know. Actually, let me check. Who's Ozai? Ozai was wasn't he Mark Hamill? Uh, I think that was who was it? Wasn't Fallout Ozai Mark Hamill? I think so. It's surprising because Daniel Day Kim was actually in the OG series, but he played a general in the Fire Nation, and now he's Fallout. Yeah, but dude, have you seen him? Have you seen him in full, like? Ozai get up he looks straight out of the show like damn yeah he's very good yeah the casting is much better it's 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 much more true to like the the actual show as opposed to what we got with the with you know that Jonathan Nine Emma Shamalan yeah I have. I don't really want to talk about that, man. Like I think we've said all we really need to say, and there's nothing we can say that hasn't been said by someone else. You know. It's kind of like um, what's this? It's kind of like a Jungle Evolution. Dude, every thought about that movie has already been said. Uh huh. saw the last Avenger. I saw the trailer on on YouTube and I don't think this has been this hasn't been brought up by anybody but I saw like one of the first comments was like someone said something horrible and it was like brought to you by 
M. Night Shyamalan and Dingity Dingity Dog. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> what the hell? And it sucks too because when you look at Shyamalan, man, his career was really only tainted by that one movie, that one bad movie. He's a good filmmaker. I just think he wasn't suited to take on the tremendous challenge that is this universe and these people. I think he kind of came into it not understanding the weight and importance of getting these things right. And he kind of paid the price. Yeah. It's just... uh, His filmography... His best films aren't big movies. They're not these huge blockbuster type deals with A-list actors. They do have A-list actors in them, but they're not big. You know, like, look at The Sixth Sense and, like, that movie, like, it's very small scale. It's just a story about a kid who can see dead people and Bruce Willis's character is helping him. That's it. There's no sequel set up. Yeah. But then you look at, I, I think his, the biggest, the worst thing to happen to M. Night Shyamalan was that he became known as the guy whose movies have twists in them. And now he felt like every movie has to have a twist in it somewhere, even if it doesn't. Oh, yeah. yeah. He became like a, a meme of himself. Yeah. He kind of flatterized his reputation. Like, you can, I can understand, like, okay, these couple movies had twists in it and now people just go in expecting twists. But that doesn't mean you need to deliver on that, dude. Like, yeah. Uh, it, people have been saying this for years. Like, it would be more of a twist if there was no twist. Like, just... Because you go into a Shyamalan movie thinking there's going to be a twist somewhere, there's going to be a twist, there's going to be a twist, and there isn't. That's a twist. Yeah, I think with Shyamalan, he also has like, I guess a lowered sense of trust in Hollywood, because they kind of, they kind of let him, Hollywood let him down a bit. How so? You say Hollywood let him down. I'm just curious, like, how... What makes you say that? Think of how many movies he's done since Avatar. And how much of the budget of that he has had to self-finance himself, considering his other movies were also in part majority self-financed. And again... I would say it's mostly down to the race in addition to what he can appeal to to Studio Big Because think of Studio Big looking at this Indian director.
does race does play a factor at times <clears throat> in terms of like the amount of chances you get especially when you have like a flop to your name like because like we've said previously with many directors you're only as good as your last movie and if your last movie was avatar <sighs> ooh. exactly and you look at a person like taika waititi Rocket was the protagonist of Guardians 3. 
Okay, sure. Absolutely. The story revolves almost entirely around him. Guardians 2, he was a main protagonist, but not the main protagonist, since it was largely about, like, Quill and Ego. And the first movie was an ensemble movie, so this whole secret protagonist thing you've been, like, spewing, no. Just, no. Yeah, think of it this way, man. Directors will say anything during a press junket to make you want to see a movie. Think about what Marcus and McFeely said about Cap in Endgame. Oh, yeah, no, Cap's always been in the MCU. He's always been in the, in the sacred timeline. I mean, back then, wasn't even called the fucking secret timeline. We didn't even know that it was just the one. It was just like, oh, okay, timelines, time travel, the universes. And then they were like, oh, yeah, us cap was always there because they pointed out you remember like the the old white dude at peggy's wedding i mean no no, no her funeral yeah her funeral yeah and they were like see there he is like no man see 
how him being there would be too old. But no, right now he's not too old. He looks phenomenal with the black hair. Right now he's in his prime. Physical yeah. prime, you know, must be in the prime of his But in ten years he won't be in his prime. And they intend to make stories for ten and more years. That's the issue. Yeah, I grant you, I get that. What I'm saying is, like in the DC EU, had that continued, he was just fine to play Superman. Had they continued as they had initially planned, had they done Man of Steel 2 as they initially planned, it would have been gravy. But in relaunching the universe, I can understand him not fully being there. It does, yeah, it does make some sense. I can definitely see that. In regards to the universe as a whole, dude, like, like there ain't no way you can have characters like Amazo and Guy Gardner and like all that in this one Superman movie if you're not setting up something else down the line. Yeah. And also, like, even even just looking at, so I think looking at the DC they played a lot of elements safe because, and this is strange considering that they have all of their characters. Like, they can literally use any character they want. They can use Pedalic. They can use Bizarro. They can use Brainiac. They can use anyone they want. But they played it so safe. So, so, so safe. How many main villains have been in the DCEU? Start a fake Doomsday who doesn't even come from Krypton. I mean, he's sad, but he's not a being created with the sole purpose of destroying Kryptonians. If only he had one true to life villain in the DCEU, hmm. and one is sad, the other is dark side, and that became because of the side of her. Even isn't a main guy, Ares isn't a main guy. They're all heated to back shelf people. None gives a fuck about them. I mean, Ares is... so safe in 10 years. I'd say Ares would be B-list more than anything, but okay. Oh. Ares, I'd say like Ares was more a B-list villain for Wonder Woman. As a, like, as a Wonder Woman villain, he works, but like, you know. He's a character, he's a villain. Him being surrounded by a plethora of a pantheon makes more sense than him being alone. We should see Zeus. We should see Hercules. We should see everyone, not just Hercules. He can't work on his own. That's the biggest problem. You know? And now, given that this movie legacy intends to have so many characters already established, very much seems like they're going big. They're going bigger than they've ever gone. They intend to have a Green Lantern. They intend to have, like, so many mainstay. Apologies for the abrupt endings and so on, but, you know, episodes seemingly ending midway through conversations and beginning with totally new ones. Uh, not... I had the whole thing saved, and oh, at least I thought I did. I had bits and pieces of it saved. Good thing I saved in bits and pieces because there were large chunks of the conversation that didn't save properly. So 
yeah, that's why conversations felt unfinished and new ones felt like they started out of nowhere. And that's why the episode just ends abruptly. So apologies for that. Be better next time. This has been Moonlight Kingdom Reviews. I've been your man on the moon. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. You know, peace out. Oh